folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio. We're your host, Eric and H. New day, new show. Uh, this topic is probably the uh, the foundation of a lot of the discussions that we are gonna we we've had over the last four years, and we're gonna have for the next you know existence of this particular channel and radio. And that is, you know, really how our healthcare is administered and the policy that goes around it. And we do know that we're in the states; it's pretty interesting how it all works. And I've had one show, as a matter of fact, one of my first shows with a guest was U.S. Healthcare versus Canada Healthcare. And we've talked quite a bit there. <laughs> you know, so with me today, I have someone who has spent quite a bit of time in in really developing policy and, and healthcare-specific policy in different areas, being an executive in the healthcare, uh, and really has tremendous knowledge. Now, he is now doing a little bit more of retirement and semi-retirement, doing, you know, writing novels and things like that. But but he is definitely someone of great knowledge and expertise that can bring us closer to how this whole thing works. Because healthcare is not easy to understand, period and out, and in the States more than anything else. But, you know, and we can talk about all this during the show. So with me, I have Greg Vigdor. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I, I love your show and really honored to be on it. Well, the honor is mine. I mean, you know, I again, you got a pretty substantial <laughs> and extensive, you know, history <laughs> and background and a lot of work you've done. I mean, again, I know for a fact, you know, because I work in the healthcare myself and the payer side, but I've also been in the insurance space. Typically, all these insurance companies are somewhat sponsored by healthcare uh, systems. So I've been in, in that place where you know we are meeting with our counterparts from the hospital systems and all these things and you know some of the folks that go to lobby in dc or in in our case in new york state albany and so so it's not an easy job whatever you know your roles that you've gone through they're very big there has a huge responsibility there and if you do it in a certain way you can make an impact in how people get their care so before we go into the deep dive in the healthcare system, the good, the bad, the ugly, and, and do comparisons and, <laughs> and, and talk about that, let's talk about just you, Greg, Victor's experience to bring it to our audiences. Sure. I've been really fortunate that I've been able to get involved in a lot of really fun and meaningful roles in healthcare. But I'd say the beginning of it was I was sort of born into it, where my mom was a nurse and my dad was a dietitian at a hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. And so when I was five years old, I was volunteering in the cafeteria serving you know, holiday meals to staff. And so I just grew up around a hospital and started working in it during college years. And uh, after college, started working as a storeroom supervisor, of all things. And uh, from that, I took the odd step without any clinical background to become became a nursing administrator responsible for budget and supplies and, and things like that. But the beginning of my real ambitions to do something was really that job because they gave me a beeper and I was the one they would call up when things would go wrong. And so I spent much of my day going around the hospital talking to these really bright, talented, committed people that were trying to do the right thing. And then every hour my beeper was going off with one after another, just crazy problem. And I kept going like, how could those, that, those people produce these results? And so I started digging and asking questions around the hospital. And I learned more and more about some of the dysfunction of American healthcare. Sort of drove me to learn more. And I learned some of this had to do with policy. 
uh, in, out of Washington, D.C., so I ended up going to school in D.C., ended up uh, getting a job working on Capitol Hill for a law firm, doing lobbying around health legislation, regulation, really started to learn that. And it was another one of those. It was the people maybe weren't as wonderful. They were great people, but, but things were really screwy in terms of policy. And I started to learn that there was a reason for the madness. And then the rest of my career became trying to find positions where you could do something about it both in the policy arenas, in Congress, but uh, in a number of different states where I worked, Washington State, Arizona, um, New Mexico. Um, but it was really about tr also trying to find a way to help people grasp with the system that they were so frustrated in dealing with. So for me, my favorite position in um, healthcare was as the founder and the CEO of the Washington Health Foundation, where our mission was to improve the health of the people of Washington. And it became more of a national uh, thing as well. But it was about how do you actually reach out to people, not just change policy, but but give them advice about how to engage in more prevention and many of the other themes I know you talk about a lot in your show. Um, I was fortunate to get a job after that in Arizona, um, working for the State Hospital Association. I was the CEO and got engaged in a lot of the healthcare reform wars, including uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, and some of the efforts to repeal it or to get it to spread to more Medicaid beneficiaries. So one after another, I've had all these fabulous experiences and I have nothing but respect for almost everybody I've dealt with in the healthcare system. But still, even now that I'm semi-retired, I look back in my career and say, proud of what I did, but we never really fundamentally changed it. It's still a system needing some bigger solutions. And that's where my novel writing has come in, trying to communicate to people the problems in the healthcare system but wrapping it up into entertainment, entertaining medical detective stories that tell these lessons of health policy for people who might not want to listen to your show. I know there's only a couple out there, but people who are less likely to engage in the, the dry details of health policy and more just want a simple understanding of why things are so screwy and why it doesn't work for them the way they think it should work when they need it. It is quite a bit there, so we got to go deep dive now. Well, first of all, I I, I had to mute my, my thing because I wanted to crack up a little bit. And you mentioned beepers. <laughs> you know, we go way back with beepers, right? So so there, there's probably someone right now like, what the hell is a beeper, right? Well, they still have them in hospitals, but, you know, these little devices where someone sends you a text message. Well, before the text, it was just a number, call back. Uh, you know, but it's funny because when you said that, it's like it took me back like 30 plus years and and, it, and it's amazing, but it it is in the hospital system. Doctors use them. You know, it's very easy to dispatch someone. You know, and get somebody's attention. That's right. I mean, including even we have all these smartphones now. The beepers are still a good gadget to have. You know, when you want to just uh, notify somebody, hey, I need you. That's <laughs> you right. Nine one one. But but, but so it, it does say a lot that in hospitals, the only other place where you find fax machines in use too. And all the younger people that came to work with me go, what's a fax machine? Because <laughs> then you throw away the paper, you dial a number, and then the paper goes, you know, across the room, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, but it's amazing. Well, so so we can talk about that. I mean, you know, just like why is it that the technology is not catching up in, in, the, right. in the systems, you know, that, that do have some funding, I guess, too. And, and we can talk about that because many people may sometimes think that the hospitals, you know, charging a lot and stuff and you know and i know there's business there's prof profitability there's there's all kind of things that happen in this healthcare system and it's there's money we're a capitalist you know nation so so you got to make money but you can't run without the money and we always hear this 
or the hospital beds have to be filled in order for a hospital system to make it and so on and so forth. I mean, I'm an insurer, so we we look at these things, right? So, right. but but the fact of the matter is, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind, you know, the scenes in terms of like how this whole thing is actually funded and so on and so forth. As you said, you know, you're talking about the Obamacare or the the uh, ACA. So, I mean, there's there's quite a bit of things that are happening that most of us may not know. I mean, we hear what we hear on the news. I mean, let's let's you know put it that way. I mean, you hear policy experts come on, you know, CNN, all you know, the major you know networks. But you know, some people are more in tune to it. But I think the majority doesn't even understand how it works and this whole thing. I mean, there's taxpayers at play. There's Medicare dollars. There's all kind of things. The Social Security. There's so many things. There's private insurance. But all this stuff does impact how the healthcare and where some cities, some some metropolitan areas are different. You know, this inner city versus you know affluent areas. You know, sub suburbs. And and by the way, states also vary depending on how you know they do things. Yes, so it greatly. changes. I, I can tell you one thing. I I uh, I was involved in some level of policy changes in New York, and it was at the the level of when uh, Child Health Plus, which is the CHIP program, mm-hmm. you know, which is National Children's Health Insurance programs, you know, that they have. In New York, uh, we were part of the demonstration, you know, project for Medicaid managed care. And this was like in the, in the 80s and early 90s. I was one of the first people that, that got involved in that in in those industry in the industry there. And and I think it was 99. We were involved in um, the um, some of the uh, the changes that were done in New York State and the growing up healthy, which was became becoming more of like you know a family package and things like that on the Medicaid side. So we were involved in some of those things and meetings and strategy and and how. It gets deployed to people in terms of policy, in terms of administration and insurance packages and things. That's that's the best <laughs> yeah that I can tell you from that. And and that was not mm-hmm. a picnic. It was very difficult. Yes. And there's there's quite a bit of lobbying that gets in place. And then you have multi agencies that get involved in this. But that's all I can you know more or less say myself based on my limited knowledge there. I mean. But you are our treasure today. <laughs> you know, you know, we tapped into that gold mine, you know, right now for all the resource information that we need. So let's let's just dissect this whole thing. I mean, healthcare is needed, uh, but it is not really working optimally. I mean, it's not an optimized system, but but no means. In the US specifically, because I mean there are countries that do have some sort of a social system healthcare or like, you know. Uh, what do you call that? Like national healthcare, where you don't have to worry about it. You know, you pay your taxes, and you get. It. I mean, Canada is close to that. Europe, I mean, you know, you don't have to worry about. You know, a lot of places, it's you know, you're good, you're sick, you're, you ha- you have everything you need. We don't have that. I mean, it's either you don't have money and you qualify, or you have too much money, you can buy whatever you want. But then the majority of us are in the, that middle ground, and you know, the in between. You're you're a couple of cents over the actual threshold or the poverty level for Medicaid and you're done, which by the way, I think that's what you alluded to. You were working towards increasing that in the uh, Obamacare re- like uh, repeal. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully you were able to to remove and bring those thresholds higher. Uh, you know, I mean, I know under the Trump administration, that that was kind of like, you know, the discussion. And and again, we went back, you know, to to a more conservative, I would say, you know, platform. And, and so now we're, we're, we're stuck still within the system. So it's very difficult. And this show is probably going to touch on policy and, and politics as well, because unfortunately, that's what it is. <laughs> you can't separate so, them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can. I mean, policy is is low, right? I mean, so so it, it's coming from, as you said, you did. I mean, first of all, your background is awesome. I mean, I, I, I admire anyone who actually has seen it from the beginning and seen it from 
the get go. And and I do have to, to admit to this. One of the things that that drove me to start this this particular network or the channel specifically on the radio was because I, I believe that people did not know much about the system or the healthcare in general. We know about it, but we don't know how it's administered. And literally, that's what it says on our commercial. You know, you know, this is where you will learn a little bit about how your healthcare is conceived and administered. And really, there's so much stuff going on. It's not even funny. And there's a lot of behind scene things that are happening. You know, and it's very difficult. People don't differentiate between like the fundings and where it's coming and so on and so forth. How it and even like what's covered, what's not covered. I mean, the biggest thing that today happens or in the discussion is, for example, cannabis. And you know, the feds haven't approved, you know, the, the use of some of that. The states are going towards that. And so, I mean, just to give you like on pain, pain management, opioid, you know, uh, you know, I guess counteracting, you know, regimen or, or, or a remedy, if you want to call it that way. So there's a lot of stuff. So let's talk about, you know, your first when you became, you know, the CEO and, uh, you know, the association, uh, the foundation, right? Uh, let me just, the uh, Washington Health Foundation. Yeah. You know. Uh, you were there in Washington. You saw things and you didn't like what happened and what was going on. So before we go into like what made you create a foundation, how, you know, so so let's talk about some of the things that you've observed that, that, that observed that were not really up to par, that, that, that were not making sense, where you took the stand, to, I'm going to make a difference. Let's do this. By the way, thank you for doing that because I think everybody that's watching and listening, we, we have to do something about things. And not everybody gets a chance to make that change or the difference. You had the ability to do that, and you still do it in, in, in the form now of novel and investigative stories and things right. like that, as you mentioned. So let's let's go back to like what is wrong in that picture in DC? Because you know what we hear now. Let's be clear. Whatever we hear in CNN, that's great, and we get the best experts there. And I'm not even gonna touch that because they're powerful enough in terms of like you know how they get their their candidates that they bring on the shows. But they're selected. They have a certain I guess direction to present when they do. Today we have none of that. We we can go anywhere. <laughs> right. So Greg, you have the freedom to take us left, right? You know, we just want to hear how it works because people need to know what's going on. That's all. Okay. Well, let me give you a fast frame of that, and I'll even back it up a bit historically because I think it helps to understand it to look back in time and see how it developed. Because we have even international, we have a uniquely screwy system. Just about every country has some form of a national health policy that embraces everyone in some form or another. Um, and ours, almost uniquely across the industrialized world, doesn't. Um, so a lot of people are left out. And that being left out and having to operate on in the margins of a very fragmented system is what creates all these byproducts of confusion and political controversy. Um, so it's just very hard and it's complex and it's really hard to move it. And it's, and it's a complex engagement too, given the types of things that can happen medically for people and the complexities of life itself. But let me just sort of back it up just to give you a sense of how I approach this. When I really got into this, said, I just need to understand this more. It's so screwy. And so I looked historically at it. And if you go back 125 years ago, healthcare really wasn't a good thing. You know, if you got sick, if you went to the hospital, it was largely to die. And you might die from being in the hospital, not from what you went in there for, because we didn't know very much about how to do healthcare in a positive way. We're kind of technologically behind everybody in the world was. And what happened um, was the discovery of many new things by scientists. The germ theory of disease would be a great example. We learned that germs are the cause of disease, not these things they used to call miasmas. 
And so if you're talking about trying to keep people healthy or get people healthy, the last thing you want to do is bring them in and have germs overrun the facility where you're trying to treat them. And suddenly, if you incorporated industrial hygiene, essentially, into those facilities, you could actually start doing good for people. Similarly, imagine anesthesia, where, again, not that long ago, um, our forebears, if you got sick, there's only so much you could do because there is no way to knock people out to really treat them with surgical interventions or anything. They actually did. They'd have to tie them down on the table. It was, it was gruesome and very few people survived the procedures, but suddenly you could knock people out and you could all start doing all sorts of things. Well, these technological things developed, not just in America, but around the world. And, and they really took flight actually during the world, world war one and world war two where some battlefield implications became really important for understanding those technologies. Long story short, World War II is ending. Healthcare actually became a good thing, that there are all these things we could do to actually treat people and make them better. And, um, and in the United States in particular, we went all in on trying to figure out how we could spread that good to our population. The rest of the world had been devastated by the world wars, had almost no resources. So we almost uniquely said, we're going all in, in what I call the age of more, more hospitals, more health insurance, more practitioners, more, 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 just to try to get it out there because we saw it in a different way. And we did that. And we some of the initial ways we did that were ones that really didn't have any restriction on the cost element of it. The cost factors of this were completely underestimated. And the incentives were, in some cases, almost backwards in terms of what we look at now in terms of trying to save costs. And so the system just took off on steroids in terms of cost and, and growth. And then there were a whole, I'm simplifying a lot of history here, there are a lot of ways, attempts to try to somehow get it under control. And these would go through political waves in D.C., or sometimes they would be driven by democratic, more liberal thinking, government involved. Other times, though, the Republicans would be in charge and they would be approaching it from a market perspective. And what happened over a 40-year period of time was layers upon layers upon layers of these different solutions would get put in and usually wouldn't come out. So the overall system got more and more and more complicated. And in many cases, the policies were in conflict. And this is when people really started to lose any ability to even understand what to do. This kind of all started to blow up around the 1990s where people were looking and going like, this is just, this is really at a new stage. The best stat I can give you to understand this is when I started my career, um, healthcare's percentage of the economy expressed as then they called the gross national product was 8%. So 8% of the economy is going to healthcare and it had been rising dramatically over the past decade before then. Um, and the, what the talk was, was that if ever got to 10%, that would be this crisis in terms of our nation because that was just too much money. Well, we are now at 20% and shooting beyond that. And so, and that's of the overall economy. So you get a sense of the scale of the problem. And, um, but it also, there were also other problems around the quality, the access, um, the relative benefit of the care we got as we were spending all this money um, our actual national health rankings across the world were horrible. Um, one, one study put it at like number 37 in the world, with us spending a third more than any other industrialized nation in the world and double most nations. 
So there's just this horrible problem in terms of what's coming in and what's going out and the benefits to people, which sort of led to this age of looking for bigger answers, healthcare reform. Um, President Clinton was the one that started this and it ended horribly politically for him and his plan. And then there would be waves of this with other politicians trying to do it. And it really just never got traction until surprisingly, uh, President Obama took it on, largely because it couldn't be ignored because of the impact on the federal government of the budgetary implications of this, that you couldn't somehow get the federal budget under control unless you got the costs of Medicare and Medicaid and many other health programs as part of the solution. So it really became an effort to try to find a bigger way to, to tackle this problem. And that became the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare, which had its good features and its bad features. That's sort of a separate conversation um, and sort of helped some, but didn't really solve the fundamental problem. It didn't bring everybody into the healthcare system. It brought a lot more people in, but it also had things that it didn't do in terms of really carrying through on some initial investments and things like prevention types of things that you've talked about on your show. So we continue to have this problem with American healthcare. I think is best expressed as a, in, in terms of diagnosing it, in that the patient and people really aren't the center of the, of healthcare. It's really all the parts of the system that are, and that's not that's really not the way to run the ship if you're trying to produce health and better healthcare. So really, in the struggle to try to figure out a way to redefine how it is. We get patients and people in the middle of the system. So it's really benefiting them and not this self-perpetuating, complicated, contradictory system that we've built that is massive and expensive, maybe more than any other enterprise in the history of the world. Listen to you. And <laughs> I guess everybody that's watching listening, they're like, oh, my God. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it's really just hearing you. It's as you said, it's too much going on over multiple years. We patch a lot of stuff, we add a lot of stuff, and really just got complex and complicated that you can never, well, I wouldn't that say never, but but it's gonna take, you know, I don't know what to actually really go. It's almost like you gotta like wave everything out and start fresh. I mean, that's the only way really to do it correctly, which probably not gonna happen. <laughs> you know, exactly. or it will take, you know, an act exactly. of know, divinity, <laughs> you know, in there because you know, to remove all the policies, you know, and, and make it and you know, you're and the right, politics. You, and well, they dig. I mean, the politics that's that's in the middle of this, to, to your point, depending on who is what in, in office and which you know lead group is actually having more say in the matter, you're gonna go one way or the other, you're gonna swing left or right, and it becomes one or the other. And it's not, you know, it's not satisfying to either party. So, some people are like, We don't want this, some people we want this, you know, it benefits some, but not the others. And all at any given moment, there is a party or group of people that's not gonna benefit from it, at least in the way it is today. You know, there are people that that real estate that we don't have healthcare really. You know, we use the word healthcare, but we have sick care. I mean, you get sick, and you know, and the reason I would I would say that is true is because in my world, in the insurance space, you know, when I started in my 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 career path, it, the concept was very intriguing. I mean, managed care it was new, and and one of the things that I I learned way on in so in the eighties, as as you were alluding to some of the the time frame the timeline, you know, there were as you said, the government was just, you know, someone shows up at the emergency room and the doctors, the emergency, the hospital will be whatever they want, right? I mean, at the time, there was no no real controls. Managed care created the concept whereby here's a limited amount that you're going to get for each patient. And then that person needs to be within those frames and that's it. And the hospitals and 
And all these systems have to be also meeting those payment plans or pay scales or whatever, you know, or sliding scales or, or fee schedules, you know, whatever those, that's how it is. So basically, you know that if you have 100,000 people, you're going to spend, I don't know, a million dollars. That's it. Now, you know, that, that's your, so talking about budgetary stuff, that kind of give made more sense. Obamacare, you know, came to, you know, really amplify that, you know, to the to bigger scale. You know, the Medicare, you know, we can talk about that in a minute. That's another one that started and, you know, we're still not sure about <laughs> how that's all playing. And, you know, a lot of people have questions about Medicare, you know, uh, what it covers, what it doesn't. And I mean, that's that's another part of my world because I, I work in the, the senior and the Medicare right. space. And, you know, it's it's been like that. It was there was also abuse. There's fraud waste and abuse going left and right, you know, in the, in the, in the practices and the hospitals and the doctors and the people. People use it like I'm at. A, I got a cold. I'm just gonna go to ER and I go to this one. I don't like this doctor. I go to the other one. I spent ten thousand dollars on on one little headache that could have been you know taken care of, and nobody cared because and it was just bleeding. And again, those are tax dollars, and that's what you alluded. And we put too much money into this. We're spending a lot more, as you said, than the other nations and getting less. Now, I mean, some people can probably disagree with that comparing to maybe some third world countries, you know, and stuff like that. But you talk about industrialized sure. countries. So Sorry, what if we like, were 20 I, instead of 37? It's still pretty bad. <laughs> right? I, I, listen, I'm not disagreeing. But I'm saying someone can like, well, what are you talking about? Some other countries, they have none. Well, that is true. I, I can talk about other countries that have very or very little access to care and so on and so forth. But in the industrialized countries, as you said, like the ones that lead in the world, technically, we always claim to be the leader, right? One of the top, if not the one. And, you know, unfortunately, that's, that those statistics you mentioned are really devastating just to think about it. Like, how can we be the ones and yet not? And and what's more scary is that it is not patient-centric, as you said. It's it's all the other stuff. The patient is just in between kind of like, you know, hey, like we bounce you off, whatever. You're going to get what we give right. you and it's all good. They're it, covered lives, not people, <laughs> right? Well, well, it is. I mean, it's it's that is listen we don't sugarcoat things here i mean it's really what it is and it's it's as sad as it sounds now we do have the innovations we do have the technology we do have a lot of stuff and that's on the scientific you know realm and as we said we came a long way we're we pioneered a lot of things but it's how to bring it forward to people how to give as you said access is the main problem you know it's accessibility that is not there i mean I, I've we always made you know like so I've had people literally that are just about over the the, the threshold of the FPLs, and they don't qualify, which means now they have to buy. And I, I think you you briefly alluded to this, but Obamacare when it came the ACA, you know you had these these plans that were already pre designated based on your income and all household and resources, but you have like three thousand four you know six thousand whatever. Some people cannot even afford that to start with. So if you're not really Medicaid, Medicaid level, which you get everything, you're still in that limbo and now you're not really doing good. I mean, you have like the essential plan that's still out there, but it's not for everyone. And, you know, there's the requirements. And sometimes, you know, if you're working, making a decent amount of money, you're probably not going to have that. I mean, you have yeah. to have a family of 10 <laughs> to maybe right. like get a better deal. So it's and the typical family may not have that. So there's a lot of details, as you said, that are in there that are intricate that made it very complex and difficult to operate and 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 for people to even navigate and some people stay without it now they did the tax thing that if you didn't you have to claim in your taxes that you you have insurance if not you got to pay penalties that also was not a happy thing and i think that's what was trying to be part of the and i think trump's administration did that they went back and took that away so it wasn't there after you know trump took office a couple of years back so so right. 
thank you for for at least sharing with us a little bit of the history and things like that. Now, I want to just touch on on the Medicare side because obviously we do have seniors out there and and people are retiring every day. You know, Medicare is another thing that is funded through your Social Security. You know, now that's something that people pay for. Right. There's a big question like, well, at the end of the day, we pay for everything because I mean, taxpayers, taxpayers. I mean, you you're paying it on one side for your your which which eventually turns into Medicaid, which is actually what today's discussion about the borders and immigration and all stuff kind of touches on because, you know, people are using the services and, you know, obviously the, the ones that are illegally coming into the states, they can access, you know, the federal funds and things. But in some states, they do have access to programs and, you know, for free care and things like that. So it becomes a little bit. And a lot of states also have, I guess, dual funding. They have their own, and then have the the the, the federal funds, you know, kind of supplemented. So, do we, do, Greg? Can you please, you know, talk a little bit about those things, like how these these differentiations happen between states, how the funding is operating from the state level and the federal level? Sure. So the again, and sort of historically, is the best way to understand this is because we didn't really bring everyone into the system across the nation, despite several proposals going back hundred years to do so. We started to look at what categories of people were worthy to try to do something. And so it would be, you talked about children early on. That was one of the later on is we want to cover all children. But that was the thinking. It wasn't how do you cover everybody, just how do we cover all children? Medicare was one of the biggest steps in this where um, in the 60s, um, Lyndon Johnson led this effort uh, to say that seniors and the disabled should have health coverage. And we're going to do it by creating this financing mechanism where workers pay taxes into it. And there's this fund that will allow them to get care. Um, Medicaid was a program really originally framed at a, sort of a, a supplement to welfare. Um, again, there's all these programs around that are really just targeting sort of needy groups of people defined, but not everybody. And that's kind of where you get to those gaps of access. So, well, suddenly you find yourself just outside of that group because of income or, or what other circumstances there might be. So that becomes a, a fundamental matter of unfairness when people look across, even before you get to how these programs operate differently. So, for example, Medicare is this national program. Medicaid is a program of 50 different state experiments and how to do this. You go to state to state, they almost all look different in some material ways. And so it can vary tremendously. Um, and this is the tip of the iceberg in terms of the complexity of all this. Um, one of the um, fundamental pieces is really just doesn't address some of the cost issues around this. Um, but if you want to talk about Medicare, one thing I would say is I'm now Medicare eligible. And I I actually find Medicare coverage to be one of the most reliable and sane things about the healthcare system now that I'm dealing with it personally. And that it actually works very well in the traditional program. Um, it is still a sick care system by and large. You talked about all the things that happened and that we tried. It's true, but none of them changed the fundamental proposition that the American healthcare system is oriented around sickness, um, not health, not prevention, not the types of things you talk about a lot on your show. And in, in order to get to that, we have to actually change policy. But we also have to change the way people are engaged in this. But on the social policy side of this, the easiest way to make that case is if we really want to invest in people's health, um, what we know, the science of this is called the social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. And what it says is that if you're trying to improve health for people, that if you looked at how you might spend your money, that at best, at best, 8 to 10% of that should be in medical care. After that, you're probably not getting much out of it. 
that really, if you want to start really creating health, you want to start to invest in nutrition and housing and equities around uh, income and the economy, um, just a whole host of issues, environmental factors, and importantly, how people behave themselves in terms of their own health. And that's, a, as you said, building this up anew, that's what you would do. You would actually start looking at a totally different investment pattern than what has built up over time in the United States, where instead of it being 8 to 10%, it's, I don't know what the equivalent number really is, but it's probably like 50%, where we're just spending money, all sorts of money. And that's partly why we don't get the efficiency gains. The classic case being um, you can treat somebody and by amputating their foot, but wouldn't it be better if you actually diagnosed their diabetes and got it under control before you got to that step, right? And just imagine the difference in cost between getting somebody's diabetes un under control or preventing it even better than amputating a foot. Just stretch that over thousands and thousands of other examples. Well, well you know, so so that's that's a big issue because now now we can go into the technicalities, right? And the technicalities right. there. So it's this is this is going to be a kind of one of those vicious circles, right? I mean, you have politicians, they have policy. They're the ones who write policy, right? Write it, whatever. But they all have funded. Let's call it what it is. You got lobbying, you know, big, big entities, big entities, pharma, you know. I mean, all these these big groups, and the healthcare pharma is one of the bigger ones. And you know, you got all these things that are like money driven, you know, or profit driven. I would say entities that kind of push a little bit where the decision goes now more than a little bit a lot <laughs> <laughs> i'm just being i'm just being nice <laughs> but you know but but the fact of the matter is people know exactly what we're talking about here right but the fact is you know that's making whatever we try to achieve in terms of like making it better very difficult because it's very simple you know when you have something that's going to affect profit you know then we don't want it <laughs> that's the fact you know, if if we have sick people, then we can push medicine. We can do stuff. Preventative can 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 really reduce all those profit, you know, margins. And that's quite what it is. If people are healthy, well, nobody's going to need anything. If people eat only organic and stuff, we're not going to go, you know, to the hospitals. Then the hospital systems will say, well, we don't have our beds full. You know, what's up? You know, the emergency room is empty. We can't pay all these doctors. Now, the doctors are not going to be happy because they're paying, you know, for those the school. I mean, it's like we can just keep pointing the finger and we're going to keep going around. And, and I don't think th there's any real answer to that one, at least not today. But that's actually the reality where we live today. It's driven by profits. And, you know, the people that are in place to make decisions, they're not making it to use, to, as you said earlier, for the purpose of let's make sure that it's for the patient. And let's prevent people, to your point, from amputating, you know, a, a, a leg or or a, a major surgery that, that doesn't even have to happen, right? If we eat healthy, our nutrition is healthy. I mean, you got industries, again, food industries. We we just we just shove things and we market it well. You know, we use psychiatry, you know, to really, you know, get people to buy into things. And we use celebrities and influencers. And by the way, I, I'm talking just facts here, folks. You know, the opinions, my opinion is still mine. And I can tell you, you know, you live in a society and you got to deal with some of these dynamics and you got to make choices. And each one of us watching and listening right now can make some changes within themselves to actually get better in terms yes. of health. And that's what we focus on the nutrition and the diet, the exercise and all the stuff, and even learn about some of these things. So if we know, we probably can do something about it individually. But as a global community, 
it is going to be very difficult. There is a lot of Gregs out there, but maybe not a lot, but there's enough of them that are working to make a difference. But, you know, it's very difficult to push against a big current. And, you know, these are big entities that are pushing with plenty of money and power and voice. And so it's very difficult to get, you know, the results you want. And am I am I wrong in this picture? Am I hidden there? <laughs> no, I think it's very accurate. When I started to learn about health policy back in Washington, D.C., it was the late 70s, around 1980. And so I was involved in a group that were all the health lobbyists on Capitol Hill. And there were maybe 100 organizations, which seems like a lot. Um, now there's thousands. Just about every piece of the healthcare system has their national trade association that's there. And a lot of them are very well-intentioned and trying to do the right thing. But when you put it all in a package, there is this huge resistance to change. And there's a lot of money in, in all of this. And there's a lot of money in, in running for political office that meets up with that money. And it really just makes it really hard to change it in a fundamental way, absent some other thing that would really force this. My own belief, because again, you're framing out exactly what's gone wrong with health reform efforts for 40 or 50 years. I do believe there's a possibility of engaging people to get more engaged, not just in their own health, but how they might help be um, supporters of uh, real meaningful health reform change. And I, I, I sort of do mean that sort of outside of the, the, the political fight that you've got to get out of the partisan boxes to make this happen. And I do believe there's a substantial number of people that would just like to see the healthcare system improve and don't want to do it with their Republican or their Democrat hats on. They just want to see the change. My books are trying to help educate people so that they will see their ability to engage in not just their personal life choices, but these social life choices to make things better for all of us. Well, so... Thank, thank you for for just echoing what I, you know some of the stuff and clarifying better, but but here's the thing now, you're right. We have bipartisan stuff. You know we have different push. You know this this group does this way. You're right. There's so many groups that are pushing and there's money in both sides and and if it, it's not convenient for for a group, they're gonna fight it all the way and they're gonna make sure they have a representative that's gonna push their agenda through, and that's really what's going on. It's it goes beyond, you know, the bottom line, which is, as you said, like, let's have people have a better health. And, you know, uh, you know, even I've had a show about sustainability and, and investing in, in, in programs and things where you can do good for the environment, for the health. And certainly you can invest in businesses in the healthcare. Otherwise, that can do better in terms of the outcomes and people get, you know, healthier better and maybe less sicker therefore there's less toll on our tax dollars and you said you know we could do that i mean if we tax and that's the other thing like if we i had a show on time with one doctor we talked about like the reason our habits you know the purchasing habits the way we eat the way we stuff is actually you know the driver behind a lot of the toll that is taken on the healthcare because when yes. we have obesity at its peak diabetes is happening and pre-diabetes almost you know three in one americans you know i mean one of Three, I forgot the, the statistic, but it's very, you know, I mean, two out of three, I think that, that was it. That's pretty big stuff. You know, we got issues, you know, and so that actually makes it very difficult. And if we can tackle these things up front, you know, and it's not just about the diets and about the stuff, let's have healthy behaviors. And those are not behaviors that we, I don't see them anywhere. 
on on in a promotion. I don't see an ad. Like, let's let's get fit, you know. <laughs> let's you know, let's you know eat our you know uh, macronutrients and you know macros and things like that. Let's let's we don't see those things in in mass you know discussions, right? I mean, you might right. hear podcasts here and there, you know things, but you don't hear it like in the mass media. So a lot of people are almost sheltered from that. They're not in tune with it. Unless you're into this, you don't even bother. You know, you're not gonna know. Like I love my popcorn, love my Twizzlers, I love my stuff. Culturally, we begin. I mean, you listen now. We have we have the the big game, the Super Bowl coming up, right? And you hear all the commercials about like you know, we order in food, we have the stuff. Now again, when you start talking about this, there are industries that are going to be affected if you make changes. You know, I mean, you're not going to stop. You know, the the let's say the alcohol industry, right? Let's talk about that. I mean, that's mm -hmm. big, right? You, the tobacco industry. I mean, there's so many industries that you they all complement. I mean, they actually they have a great impact on the health. Yet you cannot remove them because you know that's they're big, they're powerful, they have the the the, the means to push policy and, and and barricade some of the moves and change and challenge some of the the groups and and opportunities that can make a difference. So it is the reality where we live. You know, there were discussions, and I think you can explain a little bit more on this. The discussions about maybe having a, a pure social system where everybody gets a certain level of healthcare in the states. Now, what is your take on that? Because I mean, I know. Um, there are groups, or at least there are some voices in the, the discussion, the, pol the political discussion, to kind of go that way. Right. So what, what's, wh what is your take on that? Is that a good solution? Will that help? Is that something close enough to make almost a transition? So you could, you, could, you could make that solution work. I don't see it happening in the United States because it's more complicated than this, but what usually the translation of it is that it's a government system that's going to do that. And we just do not have uh, tolerance for thinking that way collectively in the United States. It's just not in our DNA to be the way Canada is about such a solution. So politically and culturally, I just don't see us ever getting to the point of what that usually gets translated to. And so instead, we have to come up with some more complicated answer of how we bring people in and uh, sort of manage the, the societal impact collectively. But there are ways to do that. Um, many of the uh, European countries, other countries around the globe, they're, the way they embrace everybody is they say, we have this base system where anybody can be in it. So everybody has some coverage other than just going to an emergency room, like our base policy is the United States. Um, but if you want more, you can buy in. So there are countries that have very um, economic models, if I can call it that, like we do. But there's a base level of support for everybody to be able to get into the system at some level. And those societies seem to find that is fair in their minds. And I think we could get there here too. So I, I think we have to recognize some of the realities and find these different policies. That one would take a big push. But I think there are other policies we could look to that would change the paradigm of what we're living in. Here's one, and we actually proposed this with the Washington Health Foundation during the Affordable Care Act debate, is there, there are no national health goals for the United States. Why don't we adopt a set of national health goals and be explicit about what they are and build in accountabilities in terms of what those goals should be? Let's imagine one's about prevention, um, but also let's imagine one's about cost, since that's probably still the core problem of the system. What if you said that the national health goals, the costs are not going to increase more than, pick a number, 3% a year. And if it does, then somehow we're going to figure out how we make sure it doesn't. 
clawbacks, whatever you have to do. Um, it's a different, it's different than what you were talking about, which is the takeaways from existing groups, which are going to be very hard to do, maybe impossible because of our political system. But there, are, if you can come up with innovative ideas that somehow drive a wedge through these things, you can start attacking these problems in a different way. And I think that's what we got to look to the things that we can actually get through because they're different ideas. They don't have these hardened constituencies of opposition ready to form around them and unleash barrages of political influence and money and, and TV ads and you name it, anything else that might help stop those ideas. Social media has only made all this even harder, in fact. So you have to find these creative ideas. And I think there are some out there that we could really uh, do as long as the public said, yeah, we like this. That's how it would happen. You know, what you're referring to is already in existence. I mean, it exists. I mean, in the medic, you talked about Medicare, right? Like you being now in the Medicare world, you know, it is. And when you're in managed care, for example, Medicare managed care, you know, CMS dictates a set of rules for the plans and, you know, all these measures to meet in order for you to get, now they have the stars, right? To get a, you know, three, four, like to get to the five stars, it's a lot of stuff. Medicaid, you know, me, you know, medication adherence, you know, you got to, you know, control the stuff and all these things that are very bad. And so if you can manage people correctly in their health, you can get better funding or you can actually get a lot more controls in place. Now, Medicare works to your point, you, you mentioned for our seniors and our disabled, but, you know, there was, I think, a proposal to maybe have a national Medicare for everybody concept. I think that's the closest to where it might work for everyone. And then you have the controls, as you said, to set those triggers or those goals. If you meet a certain, you know, target of health and everybody is below the, let's say, let's take the diabetes, A1Cs, everybody's got to be between, I don't know, six and eight, no more. You know, so even if you're a diabetic, you're on the borderline. So I'm just saying it can make a difference. The problem, I mean, it sounds easy. I mean, when I say it, it sounds like, you know, it's not a big deal, but you know, getting people to actually get into to buy the concept. You said you proposed this because, I mean, that's what the Obamacare, you know, had. I mean, it's like an it's expanding the Medicaid managed care, you know, in general to a larger scale. And just if you can blanket it, it could work. But it's not as simple in, as because of, as you said, the parties and everybody is different. I love what you said, that we are not a nation that will adopt like, hey, the government takes control of everything, our health. I mean, in essence, they are. I, yeah, I may be dumb, but I mean, isn't that what's happening here? I mean, you, you don't have control. We don't have control. You know, somebody does. I mean, you, one way or the other, you're, if we take the Medicare alone, well, it's subsidized by the government. If you take the Medicaid, that's the state and federal dollars, you know, and in between it's companies and your own personal funding. So it's difficult to actually even stuff. And that's the other thing. Now we talk about the majority of people not falling into the Medicaid or the Medicare, and they basically are left either without insurance or by insurance or even employers kind of subsidizing a percentage of the care and the coverage. And if anybody knows, it's gotten more expensive, more companies are, you know, having like I used to pay fourteen hundred dollars a month in 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 to, to get in a basic policy, you know, for me and my family. And, you know, that was a lot of money. I mean, just to get, you know, certain coverage where you still have deductibles and co-pays and co-insurance and, you know, tiered, you know, drugs and stuff like that. So it is not cheap, you know, to actually have care, uh, any healthcare. I mean, it's like, like you said, I'd rather get sick and just go to the ER. Now, here's the other thing that, that everybody's complaining about is that the cost is expensive. Why? You know, can't, I mean, why do we charge the, the prices we charge here compared to, for example, to Europe and other places? And ER is an ER. 
But we have not, again, here we're going to say, well, the cost of living higher, but the doctors get paid more than some other parts of the world, than nurses, and so on. And so we can talk about, you have the executives that make it. And that's where we talk, you know, like we just figure out where the cost is. And we think like we have these heavy folks that are, you know, up the ladder of of, of the, the corporate and they're the ones who are making all the bucks. And therefore we need to to just price more. How much more can we charge our patients? That's a big question. So what's 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 there? What what can you tell us about that? Like how do we diffuse that or is that even a real thing or a myth? Oh, it's a real thing. Our system is costly and you, it used to be that the increases I talked about earlier were felt mostly by government and businesses. Well, they both learned and most of the cost impact now is being borne by individuals in terms of premiums, co-pays, things like that. So they're really starting to feel that. And it's just become a bigger and bigger problem to try to figure out how to deal with with that. Um, one of the reasons it's so costly is because it's building in the inefficiencies of the system. So somebody who doesn't have health insurance, doesn't take care of themselves, ends up in an emergency room, ends up on a transplant list, let's say, really expensive stuff. Well, there's no there's no mechanism that's paying for that. Where do those costs go? Well, we pay for it. It gets built back into other things. So there's, what hospital bills are and what they really are are two different things. And so it is these inefficiencies in the way the system doesn't work at the macro level. But again, that's why I would say we have to find these solutions that break through this more pragmatically and simply. And the example you gave, which is was accurate about how we uh, Medicare rules are supposed to drive these behaviors, there's still pretty complicated regulatory concepts that not only do most people not understand it, I'm a healthcare expert. I don't understand half that stuff when I look at what the plans are saying they're having to comply with. That's that's not an encouraging sign. So my model is actually much more simple than that in terms of trying to break through and sort of break these adhesions of the way we do it. Um, so again, I think that's what we're looking for, things that you can explain to people and you can actually see the direct benefit of. And we do know, you are correct, we do know that the healthcare system is remarkably efficient at achieving metrics. So as the plans came out, those things, most healthcare providers are able to figure out how to get in there, just as they are able to figure out recently in efforts to improve the quality of healthcare, where they're given metrics around reinfection rates, things like that. And um, um, they have been able to achieve astounding successes in terms of making their care better because of these metrics. So that's, again, why I come back to these national health goals as a great example. If we could clearly articulate those and they were understandable and you could get those layered through the system, we might get a place where we could wedge through support and really just change the paradigm. And that's really what I'm talking about is you've got to change the paradigm we're in. We've got this complex system that's built up over uh, now, you know, 75 years. Well, you don't, you don't just knock something like down, easy, that down easily. You've got to find creative ways to do it. And that's what I think we've got to get everybody engaged in is thinking differently about how we attack this than the, the, the solutions that really get us into the political fights. I, I listen. I do love your proposal. I mean, it 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 sounds like we can do it. Technically, it can be achievable. I mean, you've you, I know you already have the blueprint for it, and you got all the stuff that's needed. Just you need people to buy into the concept. But so just to 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 bring this closer to our audiences, uh, you are basically proposing a system where you know there is a national goal for health. Now, who is going to administer this national goal? Is that like the, the government, you know, that's going to say, okay, every state, every, you know, uh, group needs to actually meet a certain, you know, level of 
that, like they have to do that preventative. They have to do this. They have to do that. I mean, how do you envision this just to to break it down in a simple words to our audience? Because I, I think I got the picture, but just to to clarify, like, because it sounds like it's an ideal thing. I mean, it's not difficult. And I think we, you know, there is that expression in unity, there is strength. If we all buy in into one concept right. and we all, you know, apply it, it benefits all of us. As a matter of fact, we all going to save some money. We're all going to be healthier. And certainly the government is not going to feel the pain and, and the industry is going to still make the money because they'll find another way to actually, you know, kind of work through the system and still benefit from it. They're very creative. So what, what, how would you break it down just to, to, to our audiences in, in lay terms? Right. So I try to keep this in simple terms. And my first book is called The Theory of Irv. I describe the history of American health policy, again, simply in the context of an entertaining medical detective story. But I also felt that I needed to lay out exactly some of these ideas for how we might think about change differently. And so one of the elements of it was the national health goal idea, which I tried to keep loose and said, well, Congress will set the goals and there'll be simple goals and there's no more than 10 of them. Maybe better yet would be five or just three. So again, we're talking about just a few simple ideas. Well, you're getting to the, how do you really create change? So my, one of my other ideas was, well, how about if we say that the way we finance healthcare in this nation in terms of the federal investment is that we do it through regional budgets. So to get by the, the states being so locked into their historic ways of doing things is we spread money out to regions of the country to kind of get into these where the states are lumped in differently than they are currently in the way the system works. So you have a change moment. Um, and so somehow these goals, the money layering out or the clawbacks relate to how efficient maybe a region might be versus another region. Um, similarly, I have a, one of my ideas as well. We create a national health challenge that everybody can oh, participate in. And um, the winners of the challenge get premium money in their region. <laughs> right? You sort of get the feel for the idea. It's just let's start playing with the concepts about how money moves, how people behave. And somewhere in there, we'll find the magic answer. But it's really more the simplicity, simplicity of the ideas and trying to find a formula where you can go forward with it instead of the same old tired ways of having this fight that don't really solve the fundamental problem. I, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, the way you, you present the solutions, I mean, you know, let, let's say 50 states, 10 regions, right? Just an example, right? right? You sure. know, it's less than 50, right? I mean, so so you, instead of dealing with 50 entities, you, you with less and there is more, I guess, normalization on, on each one and maybe some will even copy each other. So there's, there's yep. that, right? Governors so having to work with governors in states where they typically don't right now, right? <laughs> again, Again, now we again you cross to the politics. That's always going to be the, the fun line. I mean, maybe if we the, the Reds versus the Blues, <laughs> we have a Super Bowl. Right? <laughs> oh, yikes! I'm not sure that would work. <laughs> you know, but 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 you know that that's really. I mean, the concept it, it works. Like if we put teams together to make it look and work, right. and then competition. Which state is we which love group, competition? Yeah, which group is going to do the best outcomes, and therefore they get more funding annually. You know. That could work. I mean, listen, we use that in sales as incentives. We break teams and say the team that's going to deliver X, Y, Z, you know, gets, I don't know, outings and they get freebies and incentive, you know, gift cards. It could be done. Now, here's, I think, where the challenge is, is, you, again, it's got to go through the process where entities in the Congress and, you know, and the decisions, the power that be to to buy into it and then and then kind of work through the magic to establishing these things now they don't have to go far i mean they have you they have i'm sure there's more of you guys that 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 are in these these foundation yours and others 
that can actually get together to help them facilitate this and consult, you know, and make it very easily. And it can be done. I mean, the way you present it right now, I got it. And I'm not very smart. I mean, compared to many other people out there that are a lot more smarter, they can figure out how to do this better and easier. But then you have the concept of it challenges now industries. I think that's really where it's going to be the difficult part. Because now when you do this, how does that going to impact our industries? Whether it's the food, the diets, the supplements, the pharma, you know, all the other groups, uh, the healthcare. I mean, let's let's put it this way. If a hospital has zero patients, inpatient, you know, uh, bookings, right? That's like a hotel not having you know, guests. You know, it's not going to work for them, right? So now there is that. So do we want that? Do we not want that? Technically, we shouldn't have to want that. I mean, we should only have people in a hospital if they need it. You know, not, or maybe they can do electives, right? You can come in and you want to change something in your body. That's another story. But, but the idea, if you have, you know, a need for a surgery, then you go to surgery. But that, that again, that's going to be a big question mark. At least I can see that happening. If your emergency room is not as impacted as the way it is today, now there's other things that other people can just come and say, well, that's loss of employment. People are going to have, you know, not no place to work and so on and so forth. Again, so these are the things that these are the currents that are all going to be against, you know, the ideology. Like, because everybody's looking at it for like, you know, well, if we don't do this, you know, it's going to, there's, you got to give and take. We, and that's the problem. We need to know where do we need to stand. We need the solution that's going to kind of bridge the gap between all these points. And everybody gets to have a piece of it and everybody still comes out, you know, you know, with a, a positive outcome. The hospitals get some action, but they'll get the, the real action. Because right now you get sometimes, I don't know, maybe you get a lot of visits to the ER that are unnecessary. Really, mm -hmm. they are. I mean, I, we know that. I mean, we get per, sure. you know, authorizations, regular requests, you know, for an authorization that, you know, we look it up and it's like, well, this is, what's what's this for? Or you have excessive, you know, requests of a lot of things, you know, that may not make sense. And that's why you have like all the insurance companies in the managed space, at least. Uh, we have the, the the medical teams that review all these things and they're the ones who make the approvals. Now, a lot of people can criticize this, say, well, my my people would not approve this or the other. And trust me, I, I'm one of those people that would fight too if I don't get something that I think it's, it's needed. But that's the thing, like, you know, it's always going to be like one versus the other. That's the part that's difficult. I think your proposal, well, what it will do immediately is that at least it will reduce the burden, the overall picture. It's going to get less. So we'll be maybe um, 20 percent better than, than we were, maybe 30 percent better. That's still a better you know deal than having you know where we are today. That's that's a good step, you know, and that's the thing. Every progress is a little progress is progress, and it's good progress. But we just want to get there. Now, you are doing this through the books. Are, are they also? Any activities that are you doing still with the foundation or are you completely off the, the foundation at this point? No, I'm now the volunteer president of it. We've spent most of our money. Um, all the proceeds from my book sales go to the foundation. So if a member is successful financially with my books, then uh, we'll have some money to, to cause some more mischief. But right now it's mostly <laughs> communicating messages through my books and, other, and getting on shows like this and blogs and otherwise just communicating about these things. So, so um it's it's but there's other people out there it's a, there's a influencers networks of people out there who believe in change and you think you're exactly right is that it's about how much change can you create in part you know hospitals are not going away people will continue to get sick no matter what we do pharmaceuticals will continue to be important in fact in many cases are the technological tip of the spear in terms of fundamental possibilities of changing our understanding of life and health and its possibilities 
all those things have been real. So it's more, it's more, I think, modest in the implications on people. But certainly, if you set it up as one against another, it gets difficult. Um, and um, but I'd also say that if you look at things that have happened in the world, there are these disruptive moments that really change things dramatically. Like when we used to think the Earth was flat and it suddenly became <laughs> round, right? That was a big deal. Uh, oh, listen, we, let's not go there. There are people that we they can debate that today. So. <laughs> probably. But and we've certainly seen this around the, the digital age and right and um fundamental things. Those those of your listeners who believe in climate change, I think if you look at that as a social policy question, well, it's gonna be disruptive technologies that really change things to get from where we are now to where we need to get to in the future. That's more what I'm talking about and finding a way that we will do it. There might be some pain in this, but I don't think it's the it, the the ultimate win-lose type of pain. It's just trying to repackage what it is we know and what we do well with getting rid of some of the things that are the problems, like the cost, the access problems, the other deficiencies of the healthcare system. You know, I'm listening to you, and it's funny because I've had multiple discussions before about like a potential solution to the world in terms of all this. I mean, we could. I mean, literally... Like, for example, people are worried about mortgages and healthcare and education. These are your main things that you need in life. I, you know, I, I personally believe that we could have a system where everybody gets an equal amount of everything. And I'm not talking about socialism here. Let me hear me out, folks, before you get to criticize me. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, you get your basic, everybody's entitled to education, you get education, you get basic medical, and you get a certain allowance, let's say, for your housing, you know, and then now you want to have mansion then you have to buy the mansion you have to so you get your little bit basic stuff which if you did you will probably have less stress less stuff and then you will have less toll on everything else and you can still get everything else you want to get your supplements you know if you're sick you kind of go to the hospital now we've seen this i mean in sci-fi we see a lot of stuff in the movies and the future movies where everybody's got like you know innovations and access to care and you know we have all these technology that you walk into this, you know, box and you come out like, you know, revitalized and all your cells are like, you know, re repumped and you're <laughs> you're good enough. I mean, it's ideal, you know, but it's still, you know, sci-fi, right? But but it's the whole thing is like, can it be done? It can be done. The problem is like as 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 you alluded to multiple times, is that it is still complex and there's too many people involved in the process. Your solution can work if everybody sees the it's a win-win. It has to be a win-win for all. I think that's really the key. Because if if everybody sees that, well, we can still benefit. The I love what you said. The pharma will still benefit. The hospitals will still benefit. Everybody's going to benefit. They just have to tweak. As a matter of fact, you know, you can, like you produce an XYZ products. You can produce now ABC products. And these will be a little bit more healthier. And you can still make a profit from them equally. So it shouldn't be substituting one for the other, but now getting better outcomes. It can be done, but it sounds idealistic. It sounds like, you know, just utopia, <laughs> utopia stuff. You know, it's not really realistic, but that's where we live. I mean, we want the concept of potentially having a healthy year, everybody. Listen, it would be nice to have super health. It would be nice to have to live a healthier life. Now, we hear these things all the time. Today, we live longer lives, right? But are we living healthier lives with all these you know, illnesses that we hear about now, even in earlier days. Now we haven't even talked about the mental health. <laughs> that that that's another one that is that's rampant. It's everywhere. I mean, people. I think every one of us, and I I I think I do believe that we, every one of us has some level of mental distress because we are impacted with everything between 
the EMFs to the pollution to the, the, the life behind us and around us, right? So it's a difficult world we live in. And, you know, again, I don't think you, you, you know, uh, uh, gonna get the, the, the response immediately, but I think over time, your message, your work that you're putting out there, you and, and, and your colleagues is, I think there's super value to it and people have to listen to it. Maybe there is, there is a movement that can go behind it. That can, right. that can see. And I think, I think even in the industries that can still see the benefit, all it takes is some CEOs in these companies that have a different vision. You know, they have to be visionaries because again, again, if they take away the profit piece out, I think that's really what it is. If we take the profit out and then look, look at everything else and how then we can make the good stuff profitable equally, then that's a win-win. I think that's really where it stands. And 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 that's going to be the hardest part to get, you know, across. Now, ultimately, this is not going to be done in a day or two. I mean, you've worked on this how many months now? <laughs> well, yours. <laughs> 40. Holy moly. That, that's, well, I mean, I, I get it. You started, you know, yeah. for many years, but but not with the books. They're, they're more right. recent, I'm assuming. That's right? like two. So and you're exactly right. That's all I'm trying to do is introduce new thinking into this. And that's one reason I'm doing it through, again, fictional novels that are entertaining. It's not about that I'm creating some campaign to do all this. I'm just trying to interject new understandings about all this, new awareness of the history, new understandings of the possibilities, and understandings of the risk, even to what you said about life expectancy. We've seen tremendous gains in life expectancy over the last 30, 40 years. Right now, it's going in the other direction. So we're at risk of not just not doing as well as we have, but going back to a period in time where we're not living as long as we used to, even while we are on the cusp of medical discoveries that really are suggesting we should, even without the Star Trek types of interventions you mentioned, get <laughs> much greater gains in human life. So, for example, we're learning all sorts of things right now about metabolic disorders, um, beyond just diabetes, and things, ways that we might intervene in that to really change our chemical makeups that will be better for our health, not just in terms of longevity, but actual health. Well, don't we want to try to figure out how to take those things to their fruition, stop the decline in life expectancy? If we're going to get there, we're going to have to get there in a different model than we're operating on right now, is my belief. Well, so there is a problem that that is going to be very difficult. And there's a couple of things I want to just, I want to add also something to a solution, a, a possibility for you as well. But But here's the thing. I think the issue here is that sometimes we live in a selfish world. And let me be clear about what that means. You know, so I am a CEO of a company, right? And what do I care about where the world is? I just want to make my profit, right? Mm -hmm. And see, see, this is the part where I think we, we need to maybe be different. You know, we don't have to just care about here because here's the thing. Everybody, I don't care how much money you have, you're still subject and can be subject to illness and disease and, and real bad ones and be, bad outcomes. So is it? worth it to maybe look at how to make my life better and not just and everybody has life not just think about all my profits that i make because here's the thing you can make all the profits you want in this world we know one, one thing for sure nobody takes the profits with them when they're sick and we've seen elements in history of people who are successful who are billionaires when they get a sickness and illness that money doesn't mean anything right and i think that's the thing what what's been happening is we are again after the biggest buck, you know, and how much more money we can make, regardless of ethics sometimes or even the outcomes and the impacts that it has. 
But if everybody looks at themselves, do I want to be sick? I think the other part is that some people are like, well, I can afford healthcare. <laughs> so I don't care. I mean, my, my, I, I got the best excellent coverage and, you know, but the majority of us don't have that access. That's the thing. Now, on the flip turn to this, since this is an international show, we have places in the world that would love to have what we have because they don't have not even a portion of what we have, right? right? The access, I mean, at least I can tell there's one thing that I love in our system and I maybe sound maybe like, you know, like what the hell, <laughs> but I can tell you at least you'll go to the hospital. They don't, you don't pay first. Then you go get serviced. You get serviced, then they figure out a way to bill you and then you can deal with the bill later. Now that in itself is an actual major differentiator between us and some other places in the world because other places in the world they will literally not take you in to give you care if you don't have you know a, a blank check not even a check that is an amount they just said write a blank check and then we'll discuss we'll, we'll give you a bill later <laughs> we'll fill out the numbers now when you have that kind of comparison we're way better but again does that mean that we should take it for what it's worth? No, we, we can make a difference. And if we take it from me and my family, regardless if, let's say I have enough money and I can, afford, but let's think about somebody else. Because even when you have money, you will get sick and you can get sick and there's nothing you can do about it. No money in the world can buy you everything. You might get a little bit of ease, a little bit of extra service. That's all you can get. Doesn't take away the pain. Yeah, maybe right. you get a patches and you know get plugged in. That's all there is. Again, not a good outcome, not a good. But if we think about it from that way, like how would I feel? This is always like do unto others as you like to be done unto you. Yes. Right? That's that. If we use this system, which is you know I think we, we're you know in in a pretty conservative country, I think to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. You know we can think about it that way, right? We let's do right by everybody the way we would like to be done right to ourselves. That can change the 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 X paradigm, you know, to to a better place, but people have to buy into that concept and realize, like, you know, we're all perishable, expendable, and we have an expiration date, and we all are human. We all subject to the same disease. A good example: the pandemic. Didn't differentiate between the rich and the poor, the 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 big guys and the little guys. The the socioeconomics didn't really. I mean, maybe to a degree, you know, some people had access to better space, and maybe they didn't have to to deal with more people close to them. But there was some different. I mean, there's always some factor of difference. Yes. But but the virus didn't see the difference. <laughs> when it gets someone, it gets someone, and you know what? It took a lot of lives. And you know, if we start thinking about that, you know, maybe as a unit, as a, as a country, as a nation, we can start be seeing beyond the differences, beyond the pol you know, political, you know, you know, barriers and yes. differences and the colors and who is what and come up to a solution. I mean, you know, and, and we always about criticizing everybody. Like if you say something, I'm going to say the opposite just by default. We always like to do that. I mean, I don't know why that's, 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 that's a question mm -hmm. that's always in my mind. If you, and this is true, you tell someone something like, well, no, you know, it's not going to work. What gives? Give me a benefit of that. Maybe I did some research that you haven't, right? But this is what happens. Like, you know, some people say, well, you're too idealistic. You know, this is not really, this is not real. This is sci-fi that you're talking about. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. But at least, you know, you're trying. That's the other thing. Like, folks, you know, the, every one of us, we can make a small difference at any given point. I mean, even by sharing. And like, like again, the worst case, the easiest one is like, if every one of us can do our part yes. for ourselves and our family. And if we did that, we can literally prevent a lot of this stuff from happening. Yes. I mean, if we all take good care of ourselves, probably we're not going to impact anybody. And, you know, the healthcare is going to have to to readjust themselves, you know, into where we can do better. 
that could happen too. Again, we are in control to a degree, but we don't want to always wait for other people or the system to work so we can do our part. I don't right. know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. Health, health is a great equalizer for sure. And there certainly are profit motives and economic forces all through the healthcare system. Um, but one thing I will say from my 40 years of working with people in the healthcare system, you find that and you find that excessive at times in some individuals, but it's a rare thing that most of the people, the vast majority of the people I've dealt with in my long career in healthcare are in it because they care about people and want to make a difference that they have a, it's yes, they might even make a great living, but it's not what's dominating the reason for why they do what they do, including dealing with the frustrations of the system. They're in there to make a difference. And, um, and I think there's a way to capture that unique from some of the other opportunities and other settings, maybe where it's more just about trade goods. It's also what I said earlier, where um, I was saying, we're not going to adopt a Canadian system in America because we believe too much in capitalism. <laughs> right. I'm saying we have to build on who we are as a people and a nation and that capitalism is part and parcel of it. So whatever we do has to somehow recognize that reality and not, again, get into these discussions that bring us to the political polls and the fights. We we in the foundation, we actually did a lot of work trying to explore what the people of Washington state believed about a lot of these issues. And uh, we actually found there's actually um, violent agreement in a lot of this, of people just wanting practical, common sense solutions to the problems of the healthcare system and not these extreme positions that the political parties are mostly peddling. So again, I think it's, it's the same thing you're getting at. There's, a, there's something here. We just have to figure out how to access it. I'm trying to access it through art and entertainment right now rather than what I used to do. But there's, there is a there there. How we get there, when we get there, I don't know, but it's, it's worth doing. Well, you know, so so talk about entertainment. That's the other thing I was going to mention. You're writing novels, which can be actually scripted into movies. And I think it will probably resonate better in the movie, Spent, because a lot more people will be able to watch. I'm just saying, you know, you watch a movie, it's probably more, I mean, we all kind of remember the movies we watch, you know, and we probably watch a lot more movies than books that we hear right now. I'm just saying, you know, maybe that's a global statement. But, but one thing you said, which is thank you for that, because... You're, when we, when I'm talking about the profits and stuff, I know that, you know, listen, there's nothing wrong to make a living while you're helping others. And, you know, all the researchers, all the scientists and stuff like that. Yeah, there are some variation where let's, let's say, let's say addiction or like, you know, put addictives or the sugar industry, whatever. You know, there are things that are like, you know, when you look at candy stuff, they're big industries and they're not really healthy, but they're out there because there is something, something about them, right? But maybe that's not the best example. But in the healthcare, as you said, the doctors, the nurses, the people, the technicians, all these people go through it, not so much because they're going to make the money, because I also believe that they can make a difference in somebody's health. And the administrations, you know, the administrators, and all, you know, and that's the thing. You can make, make all the profit you want. There's no reason why not. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, capitalism does work in that aspect. You can make the money as long as you get your, you pay taxes, you do your stuff, you do your equal share, mm -hmm. nobody cares. And I, I did love what you said about specifically that we don't have to follow any other system. And since we are a capitalist, you know, nation, why not? I think your idea of an incentive of goals and making more profit, you know, or more money based. And that's exactly what we, we have in the managed care is right, you get right. a five star, <laughs> you get millions. 
you know, you can, you have your carte blanche, do whatever you want. As a matter of fact, a five-star plan, you know, people can get in and out in that plan any given time. They get more money. They get all the stuff. They, you know, it's a lot easier for a plan that's five stars than a plan that's three stars, right? So if you give these regions the ability to, hey, we all want to have a five-star. And believe me, and that's the other thing, like, so a good one in the competition of health plans nationwide you have no idea how bad it is between the plans in terms of coming up with the best package benefit to get all the membership into mm -hmm. them. And it's driven by, you know, we're going to look at everything. What kind of benefit we're going to give more, you know, let's reduce this one. Maybe the copays have to go low. Maybe the, the, the premiums have to be lower and so on and so forth. Let's give more and get less. And you manage and they've, they've, listen, actuaries can make great impact. They know how to make numbers work. Yes, they, yes, you know? they do. <laughs> That's their job, right? I mean, so there's a lot of stuff that gets behind the scenes. That and and it's applicable today. You take that, you template it across, and you know you add into as you said the format of maybe regions, and you create this nice competition between like, hey, we're gonna have ten like every year. There's which which region is gonna have the trophy, and you know what I mean. I uh, mean, and you know like you know five stars, four stars, or three stars. Let's let's get there. And here's the thing: if you put competition, and I've I in sales we have this all the time between the, the sales staff, right? You put a contest, you know, uh, together. Everybody goes up to it, and and you know what? If everybody wins, we all win. And so I, I don't mind if everybody hits 120. percent It's That's a right. good thing. It's a good problem to have. So why yes. not? Yes. So if we create the competition between these, the and by the way, even at this level, 50 states. Let's say we have 50. We can still use the same concept just with the 50 states eventually they'll get maybe you know in in groups and just kind of like you know uh, put it together and like in regions by default as they see a more value of unity but even if we did it today in the 50 states we have 50 you know systems and everybody is going to have an actual opportunity to to drive now in the business corporate world we have what we call pnl profit and loss right i mean everybody that's in a senior position is responsible for pnl now Governors have the same, you know, you know, uh, fiduciary responsibility. They have the same level of liability and accountability. So guess what? If you throw in something that incentivizes their pay, their 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 their, I guess, benefits and all the stuff that attaches to these things, then they're gonna pick the right department of states, you know, for for their states, and they're gonna operate properly, and they're gonna make sure that we get delivery, you know. And that's the thing. That's true in business, you know. See, healthcare is a big business as well. But anyone that is in the leadership role in the business world, you know this. You attach accountability goals to anybody in your company and the company flourishes. Same thing here. If we attach all these goals to all the people that are in charge, well, guess what? They will have no choice but making the right moves and changing the dynamics. And hopefully they'll because I can make money <laughs> if I don't do this. We can't get enough from the Fed or from the central, you know, you know, system if we don't get achieve these goals. That will make a big difference. So your idea is not really difficult to actually comprehend. It's simple. We just need to get the bite. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> details, details. <laughs> uh, listen, I mean, uh, what they go the, the devil in the details. What was the expression? <laughs> I think <laughs> you know, that's it. That's it, right? But but at the end of the day, you know, this whole concept is more to to change. It's not really changing the system. Is really upgrading the system. That's yes. how I look at it. It's really changing it. You know, in a way that is it's still. But it's upgraded. It's like you get uh, an iPhone 15 versus like you're, you know, living on a 10. You know, that's all we're trying to do. I, at least that's what I think I'm getting from you. Is like it can be done. We can look at things and how we can optimize the system, the the, the stuff, and get buy-in from everybody else that is involved in the process without 
you know, taking away the identities and differences right. between their right. poly parties and political views. That's right. The really things. good things will blossom. The things that are more questionable will start to diminish in importance. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you know, wishful thinking is a good thing and actions <laughs> speak louder than words. You, you do in the action. And, you know, I mean, you're dedicated, you've dedicated years and years. I mean, four decades is, it's plenty of, it's alive, you know, that, that <laughs> many people, you know, some people haven't even made 40, right? So, you know, it's a pretty good investment of time and energy and money into a cause that I think that's valuable and it can make a difference. You know, listen, you and I were just small people that just share in value or, or at least ideology that can make a difference. That's how it is. As you said, the people in the past, you know, before a certain time, everybody was looking like, oh my God, the earth was flat or, you know, we can't, you can't possibly fly. Now we fly all over the place, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, look at you and I, we're talking right now. You're not here. I'm not here. I mean, now you have that new Apple thing that, you know, the visor, I forgot what it's called. That's but, right. <laughs> you know, it, you know, you can immerse yourself into a reality immediately and just be in a world that is not even there. Right. I mean, we'll you, do that you next know, year. <laughs> you, know, it's, I, you know, I'm thinking about that, <laughs> but here's the funny thing. Like, you know, if I don't like someone, like my wife and I were laughing, it was like, somebody said this, he says, um, you know, now if you don't like your wife or your husband, you just got to replace their face. Now every day you have a new husband and wife. <laughs> So you can you can interchange inter interchange your your partner yeah. you know just visually so you can enhance your experience. I mean that's like there's definitely a movie in that. <laughs> oh, there's probably well, there's been movies about that. I think there were a few already. But but you know your concept can be you know I think articulated in, in a movie and through through a visual effect and you know acting. I mean it could be even clearer. You know I mean and we have movies that actually talked about the healthcare in a way and. You know, I think there was one movie with Denzel Washington about his kid and he tried to save, you know, his son, whatever, about a, a transplant, yes, kidney transplant. Yes. So, I mean, there have been, that was more about the insurance space, you know, and like how the insurance companies, you know, the gatekeepers can prevent from someone from getting. By the way, there's, I have nothing against that movie because, you know, the insurance system is good. I believe in, in, in it, but there are times where it, it fails, like everything else. So, that, like everything else, the systems can work, but they can fail. And it could be just a decision by one person that yes. can make a difference. You and I literally, you know, two, we can have the same uh, problem in front of us. You can deal with it one way, I deal with it one way, and the outcomes can be totally different. Yes. I see it my way, you see it your way, and you're going to make a decision, I'm going to make a decision, and two of us will have two different outcomes because you did it, you treated it differently than I did, right? And so that's all there is. Now, <laughs> we, I know we've exceeded the hour, but you know what? <laughs> this was a, a you know an awesome discussion. I... Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, so, so what, what, what are the next steps? What can we do, you know, in terms of, you know, maybe helping this particular endeavor that that's working right now? So the, the most helpful thing for me right now would be to have people just check out my books, which are available on Amazon. Um, just 99 cents for the newest book called the COVID murders. Um, oh my in terms God. of a Kindle edition. But again, they're entertaining stories and the, the money from that will go to the Washington Health Foundation. But it's much more about whether the ideas are resonating, whether the emotions are resonating. Your movie example is really right on target with what I'm trying to do is it's the difference between presenting a policy paper, which I used to do in my career, which is all more intellectual, that if we're really going to have change, it's good because we get more emotional about this. So my books are trying to appeal to emotions with stories uh, not just the stories on their face, but the characters and the health challenges they go through to humanize a system that sometimes isn't very human. 
And whether it's books or music or movies, these are the things we need to do to touch and feel. So if people, your listeners are able to touch and feel my book and let me know what you think about it, that would be enormously helpful because I'm really just trying to find things that will engage people and get them to have some passion and belief in this issue. I mean, top it off. You said it's 99 cents. I mean, hello. <laughs> you can't get a cup of coffee for that price. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I think I think we, you know, it's it's worth at least reading and understanding and getting that. But 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 I'm telling you, I am working literally on on a project that that touches on on a different topic, but it, which mental health and other things. But but it is it is we're actually putting something in in a uh, it's going to be a, a documentary or a show, but then also we're scripting for a movie that eventually we'll produce. So maybe in the future we'll do a production for this. You never know, you know, because I, you know, I mean, it's, it is a health, you know, policy thing. Maybe we'll do a movie about it, you know, and I, I might have the, the the people to talk about that and see how we do it. Even if we do yeah. it at, you know, on a low profile, you know, level, and then we can enhance it later. It doesn't matter. But but yeah. I think there is an opportunity to to create this, you know, where we get it closer to to the audiences and 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 because you're right. If the visual, I mean, listen, I think the majority of people are more visual. And just mm -hmm. seeing, I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words, as we say, and that's that goes for everybody. You see something, you tend to remember it better, you know, than if you just read it. And certainly, if you see it, read it, and hear it, then then it sticks with you longer and better odds. So, wow. So, listen, uh, I I enjoy this this talk. I mean, uh, I it, it it's 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 always a tough discussion when it talks healthcare, and uh, but but it is it is an important discussion because I think. We always say health is wealth, and there's nothing better, you know, other than time that we cannot get, you know, back. Health is the only other thing that we need to really be careful about because right. it affects all of us. And by the way, when someone is sick, you know, there are diseases that are can that can move from one person to the other. There are diseases that can also be, you know, created in one body and then become DNA bound, and it goes to to the progenies. So, so we can prevent a lot of things. You talked about the social determinant of you know of health. That's that's a big one. If we can fix all those things, as you said, then we can have to worry about less. I mean, we eat less, you know, bad food. We eat less sugar. We eat, you know, healthier, and so on and so forth. Things can be better. You talk. You refer to the concept of uh, what is it? The, the the environment. Listen, whether we like to to accept that concept or not, I'm not going to go into that debate. That we can have a whole show about that. But the fact of the matter is, we do see changes around us. I mean, you know, if you lived 40, 50 years, you know right. that it's not the same patterns we've used to. That's, that's right. There, okay, there's whatever a you there, there's no longer lead in paint, right? That, that's <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I mean, we do have things that we know. It it changed over the years, and, and it's, you can't deny it. Scientific, you know, communities are talking about it. It's as real as it gets, you know, accept it or not. I mean, if you don't accept by the way, that's the beauty about things. We all have the ability and the choice to accept and not accept. I always refer to the matrix. You have the awakening with the red pill, or you can just be sleepy in the blue pills. And that's a choice. And it's okay, folks. You know, one thing about my platform and our platform here is very simple. We only bring in the discussion to your ears and your mind. What you do with it is up to you, folks. Take yeah. it for what it's worth. You know, you don't like it. Exactly. You don't to do exactly. With it. But take it and just same play with, with my it. books. Exactly the same principle. Yeah, I mean, but that's I think that's what it is, right? I mean, you throw it out there for people of you know of mind understanding. <laughs> you know, if you want to, you know, grab it and take it and dissect it, it's all good. You know, 
if you, well, this is not for me, that's okay. Here's when it becomes good uh, or important is when you get and you know afflicted by health, you know, problems. Then you'll be like, damn, because like the system is going to be brutal and you're going to be like, wish that you might have the ability to do something about it. But we all have the ability to do something about it by talking about it, by sharing value, by, you know, making a difference here and there, or at least by changing our habits ourselves. That's right. And that's Helping all we your do. neighbor, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's tradition, right? We're supposed to, <laughs> you know, oh, listen, you, you know, you, you can't, you can only preach, right? And, you know, people have to do what they have to do. It's, uh, it's, and, and that's, again, free will has always existed. We have it. Not everybody needs to like my voice or your voice or your, right. your message or my message. And that's okay. And that's a beauty of things. Now, the better beauty would be if we all kind of get along, have peace in the world and stuff. We know those are ideologies that may be too extreme, but not, you know, impossible. And same thing here. We can make a difference one day, one one call, one talk, one book at a time. And, you know, someone eventually will see the value and we'll get there. You know, I, I, I'm always po positive and optimistic that things can get better. Yeah, same and, here. you know, we just have to keep doing, you know, that's all. So I want to thank you. We should keep trying for sure. <laughs> now, I mean, listen, you're not only trying, you're doing. See, that's the difference. I mean, I'm not a big fan of like, I'm going to try to do something. I'm a big fan of I'm going to mm. do something. I'm doing something. And you are. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we can talk, but we're not just talking. You're actually not talking. You're doing. You've been doing. You know, you spent, you know, four decades of, of your life, you know, in this world trying to make a difference. And I'm sure that you've had some level of impact somewhere in, along the line. And, you know, there is some level because I know that there were changes in the ACA, you know, and probably had some, you know, relations with some of these changes. I'm, I, I, I'm almost positive. I don't. Maybe you can confirm it, but but the fact is, I'm sure that whatever you guys did, there were some points or maybe a bullet or two, whatever, something in the policy that <laughs> got tweaked, right? I, I, maybe, I don't know. But but that's what it is. You never know what impact you're going to have unless you do something about it. That's all. Right. But but you will not have any impact if you don't do anything. <laughs> that's for sure. Agreed. So, um, well, listen, Greg, it, it's, it's, it's been an honor, a privilege. It's been fun. Thank you so much for really sharing your insights and enlighten us with, with some realities that, that are fact and, you know, potential solutions to the world. I mean, to the States and maybe even to the world. I don't know. Cause some people, they still haven't figured out even where we are today. So that can help them. Yeah. Right back at you. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. And uh, again, folks, you know, this is another edition of the H Factor. We've talked about a few things, you know, in our healthcare system. And, you know, again, um, this is a global show. So if you were thinking otherwise, you have solutions that you can send, send them in the comments. Maybe we can we can entertain them. Do check out the books. Now, you said there, there are uh, how many books that are available? Right now, the latest you said, that's the one that I have two so far. Okay. And they're both on Amazon under my name. Okay. Um, so washhealthfoundation.org book you know that's the that that's works the, too that'll okay. get you to a video about why i wrote the books but you can just go on amazon i have an author page up there which talks about the books and what i'm trying to do and we'll yeah, have so even I'll, samples of them so i'll have i'll have the actual links uh both so this way people can can check them out again not losing anything i nine cents folks that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I, I have not seen a book for 99 cents that has this much value. I'm sorry, but, you know, um, but yeah, that's all there is. So uh, American Age, uh, we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic. Bye for now.